Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. Let's all rise for the speaking of God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Hello, everybody. Before I start, I wanted to introduce to you uh, our new youth pastor, our senior high youth pastor. His name is Reverend Sean Hong, and I just want to invite him up so that he can give a brief introduction of himself and his wife. So why don't we welcome him? But uh, I uh, thank you for welcoming us. My name is Sean, and this is my wife, Chian. Uh, we are so thankful and glad that we are part of a pilgrim family. Um, yeah, we are from New York, um, Edison, and now we're up here, uh, Pella Park. We've been living here for about four years now. And um, yeah, just uh, thankful uh, for everything that uh, Pilgrim has done for us. And um, yeah, we're excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. It's been a few weeks since uh, Reverend Hong was here and serving. As you can see, he's a, a very young man, vibrant, full of energy, which is exactly what our youth need, so praise God. I also heard uh, he's, a, he's an athlete, and he plays the, uh, plays the drums. So I told our drummers to watch out. Uh, we'll have a drum off soon during Sunday worship, so you can all see and. You can text in your ratings. <laughs> It'll be anonymous. <laughs> so today we, we begin uh, the series of Genesis. I'm so excited for this series. I've come back from a college retreat. I'm very tired. I have a headache. But I think the excitement for this start is overpowering my headache. Praise God. And I just want to point out the curtains here and the marquee lettering here. It's all done by our stage crew, masterminded by Hesu. Uh, but if you're part of the stage crew and Hesu, could you just stand up so we can see who you are? And let's just give them a little recognition. Right? Just one. Come on, you can stand. And there's a few in the back. Okay. They did a great job, and I'm just so proud of our uh, set design team. Okay, no more compliments. That's, that's good enough. Uh, they were good. Um, no, they were really good. Uh, it was really good. Uh, I'm just very thankful for that. 
And so we're going to start this series, and this is important why. I think it's important because every time as a Christian, you want to read the Bible, where do we start? We start with Genesis 1, chapter 1. I think this verse has been read by Christians more than any other verse in the Bible because we always start, oh, 2016 is my year. Read the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Time for lunch. <laughs> and then 2017 is my year. In the beginning, God. So this has been read over and over again by Christians alike. And, you know, what does it mean? You know, it's, it's, it's simply enough that a child can know it and understand it. But it's also so complex and rich that even scholars, scientists, physicists would look at this and be like, wow, this is incredibly deep. And so we want to start with this passage as we begin this series. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I, I want to kind of shorten it too because in the, the way the Hebrew Bible was back in the day, was it was just scrolls. There were no chapters or verses. So if you wanted to read a particular book in the Bible, the way they would label it is with the first word. And in this case, it's breshith, which means in the beginning. So if they saw on the scroll breshith, it meant in the beginning. And in the beginning meant Genesis. And so every book started, they it were labeled by the first word that they had. And this book, breshith, as soon as you read it, it would have put or conjured up an image in your mind. In the beginning, and then what's the next word? In the beginning, God. This is so important because it's not in the beginning man. It's not in the beginning humans or men or women. It's in the beginning God. Here we see the author and creator of all of creation. History is his story. In the beginning, God. And this is what people have read. Even if you read it over and over because of your New Year's resolution to read the Bible and maybe you didn't finish it all through, you would have read, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God means there was nothing before him. There was not anything before God. That means God, the creator, wasn't dependent on anything other than himself for existence. In the beginning, God. And this is how we have to start the Bible, yes, but this is how we have to start seeing our reality. Our reality isn't in the beginning me. When I wake up in the morning, it's not in the beginning me. When I start a new project, it's not in the beginning me. When I start a new family, when I have a child, when I have something I need to dedicate something to, I do not start with in the beginning me. And the Bible is teaching us the way we start anything is in the beginning, God. And this is how the Bible begins. This is a story 
not about man, but about God. And if this is a story about God, then the following verses should tell us, show us something incredibly important that we have to pay attention to. What is that, right? What are the things that the Bible verses are telling us? When I was growing up, it was like a, more of a romantic era, and a lot, there were a lot of love stories. Rom-coms are very popular, and people wanted to convey this message and said, you know, this Bible, it's a love letter to you. And I grew up thinking, wow, this is about me. But the more I read this, the more I opened this up, the more I studied the Bible, I have come to realize that this is a story about God. God is showing us who he is, and that is incredibly important to us, incredibly important to us, because God, we will see, is the author of everything. Number one, what does God show us about himself? Number one is that he creates. God is a creator God. He is fascinating, awe-inspiring. He is so creative that the things that he has created puts us in a state of just awe. And I was just driving here even today, and I was thinking, wow, it's really hot today. Do I have to wear this jacket? Oh, Korean church jacket, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And I was, I was driving, but then what I got to notice was, and I was just driving and I was looking. I couldn't help but to wonder, why are the leaves so green? Why are they so green? It's not just green. And I was able to see such beauty and majesty in nature. And just like, just put me in a state of awe. The person behind making this, how amazing must he be? to create something as simple as we think, a tree, and yet fascinating. Even when a gentle breeze blows, all its leaves just sway. The branches sway, and the, but the tree is still. And then you see this beautiful image, and then God created that, and his fingerprint is on that. And God is fascinating. He is awe-inspiring. Just watching nature should inspire us. And I believe that. I believe that creation also inspires us to do things, respond in a certain way. <laughs> Take, for instance, music. Music is amazing. It's okay to just say he is a good, good father. But when you sing... He is a good, good father. There is an element of beauty that's added to it. And you see this creativity being inspired to us by the ultimate inspiration, God. But if this is true, if God is the ultimate creator, he is the author of everything, that does mean that creation has a purpose. There is a will for creation. Creation then exists for the creator's purpose. A lot of people would see this and be scared. 
There's fear in some people. But I want to explain this to you. If you have no purpose, if there is no purpose, that is the saddest, most pitiful existence ever. If there is no purpose, you do not know your destination. Your destination is also meaningless, purposelessness. Even the famed Albert Einstein, even though he didn't subscribe to Christianity, he knew of purpose. And he knew that they, he needed to know what destination he needed to get to. He was famous for like, writing up equations for knowing the origin of subatomic particles and things of that nature. And one thing, he, he could map out these things but he couldn't map out his way back home, so he would frequently get lost. And one time he was, in, he was in, the, in the train, and the conductor would come to collect his ticket, and he would look in his pockets. He's like, I can't seem to find my ticket. And the conductor said, it's okay, I know who you are, Mr. Einstein. You always take this train. Just give me the ticket next time you get on the train. And then he said, well, that's fine for you, Without my ticket, I don't know where to get off. And this is a true story. Without purpose, we don't know what we're riding to. We're just on a train, and we don't know why, where it's going, where it's headed to, why we're exactly here. But you see, God solves that problem for us right away when he says, in the beginning, God created he created us. That means we have a purpose in him. Do you know that purpose? Do you know his will for you? Do you know that he does have a will for you? He has a purpose for you. Mark Twain said this, A myriad of men are born. They labor and sweat and struggle. They squabble and scold and fight. They scramble for the little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps upon them. Infirmities, uh, infirmities follow. Those they love are taken from them and the joy of life is turned to aching grief. It, meaning death, comes at last. The only unpoisoned gift earth ever had for them and they vanish from a world where they were of no consequence. A world which will lament them for a day and forget them forever. If you have no purpose in life, if there is no meaning other than just to be, then to live life is an excruciating, painful, pitiful existence. But thanks be to God, from the very beginning, he shows us that each and every single one of you, you have a purpose. There is a will that God created you for, and you exist because of him. The destination is set by him. You have been placed on this train because his plan for you is good. And God is good. A light bulb is great, but if I just leave the light bulb here and it's just lying down, it serves no purpose. The light bulb is unhappy. It's sad. It's on its side. Once I screw the light bulb in the lamp and it finds its purpose, then it illuminates. Not this water bottle. I'm talking about a real light bulb, right? 
then it illuminates. And then its purpose is fulfilled. And it finally has meaning to its existence. But guess what? This existence also helps others. Your existence is there not just for yourself, but to help others. What's God's plan for you? God has one. You should be excited. We were beginning, like, whoa, what's God's plan for me? I want to know. Because once you find out, oh, then fullness comes into your life. But before that, what are you living for? Is it simply the nine to five, the grind, so that you can hit the weekend, hit that club? Oh, so fun. <laughs> so I just went to a club last night, right? A club college retreat. But, but then you do that over and over again, and you see and you realize it doesn't add to anything. It doesn't give me meaning. And in fact, just like Mark Twain said, you get older. You do not want to be the ajashi, ajma that goes to the club. They will kick you out. They'll be like, oh, there's a different club for you. It's called something emeritus. But anyway, there is a plan for you because God created you. And you know what? It's not some simple, boring plan. Because as you can see from a simple observation of the tree swaying in a gentle breeze, even that's amazing. And I can just imagine looking at each and every single one of you. Look at each other. And you see God has an amazing plan for you. Amazing. And that should get you excited. That should get you hyped. Because <laughs> God is so good. And he begins by sharing how awesome he is and the purpose he has for us. What's the second verse? What's the second thing he tells us about himself? And a lot of people just skim over this. And it says the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the seas or the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering. And some verses have something else like moving over the face of the waters. But this is a verb that describes God. So we have to stop here. And I looked at the Hebrew and if you, if you check this uh, actual word out, and I'm not going to say it, but its literal definition is to vibrate, is to oscillate. That's, that's really interesting, right? To vibrate or to oscillate, but we have translated it, and now we take it to mean God was just hovering or moving over the waters. And if you're a good exegete, what you will do is you will take this word in Hebrew, and you will check to see if there's any other word like it in the Bible to see how it's used. Right? That's how you find the definition of a word. So this word comes up a whole three times in the Old Testament. The second time is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11, as an eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, abroad her wings, taking them burying them on her wings. Read that again. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreading abroad her wings, taking them, burying them on her wings. The word hover is the same word here translated as flutters. 
as an eagle, and you can imagine, an eagle will go up to its nest, will see its young, and it will start flapping its wings. Its wings are majestic. It spans across multiple, like 10 feet, 12 feet, whatever it is, and it's just fluttering over. What happens? What happens? What the eaglets see is they see how you can fly. But what the eagles feel when you see a gust of wind under you, there's a little lift that the eaglets feel as well. And they see, oh, this is what it's like to be lifted up into air. And this is the same word that's used for God was hovering over the waters. And God hovers over us, showing us what it's like to be like him, to be with him, to enjoy the fullness of your purpose. God hovers. The third time it's used is in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 9. It says, my heart is broken in me because of all the prophets. All my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man, like a man whom wine has overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. The word shake is the same word as move. And this is when God's heart is broken over his people. And it's shaking and it's trembling because his people have broken his heart and that's the same word. Do you see the intensity of this word that's being used? The intensity of God's love for you. He didn't just create you for a purpose, but he also poured out his love on you. And you just get that from two verses. That's incredible. That's who God is, and that's who God is showing us. And what's the third one? The third one is God said. God is a God who speaks. Do we believe in a God who changes? God does not change. So if God speaks, how much does he speak? How often does he speak? Does he speak, still speak today? The word speak is used 5,308 times in the Old Testament. And it's used and attributed to the Lord said or the lust saith the Lord or whatever to to God 4,000 times. God speaks so much, and he's still speaking today. And I wanted to kind of give an example. Uh, I think I used this once a long time ago, but I got this little vintage radio. If God is speaking today, we are his receptors. We receive that speaking, right? So that, just like there are radio waves out there, God is consistently speaking. That's what we believe. And what captures it? Radio captures it. I have this vintage radio that I borrowed from Pastor Yang because he's a vintage man. I'm just kidding. Um, He's a very young man at heart, right? But if you wanted to hear what's on the radio wave, what would you do? What would you do? You would perhaps turn it on. First, you need to be on, right? To be lit. Okay, you need to be on. And nothing is happening. So perhaps you need to in Orlando, Ron oh, Popper, uh, who Bang it a little because it is vintage. And so you would also tune. Whoa, okay. 
I, I think I like this station. I'll, I'll stay on this one. And then you get to hear it. And what happens when, sorry, it's too vintage. And there's nice music being played. But what happens when we say, I don't need to hear you, God. I don't want to hear you. I, I get that you talk. I get that you create. I get that you hover. But I don't need you. So I want to turn you off. I don't want to hear you anymore. In fact, I want to shut you down. I can't. I can't anymore. You know what? I really like I really like going to clubs. I don't want to listen to you because when I listen to you, I feel a little guilty about going to things and doing things I don't like. And then what happens is sin enters the picture. And when sin enters the picture, we see that we are in direct rebellion to what God wanted for us. And yes, God wants the best things for us. And he wants us to be used in a purposeful manner. But sin is saying, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to do anything with you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And then we break our own radio. We break what's inside. And sin has come as a result of our rebellion to God. And eventually when we say, now I'm in pieces, now I am ruined, I need God. I need to be with him. I want to listen to what he says because that was good before. But you see, because of sin, we're broken. And now what we try to do is, wait, can't, can't I just open the antenna and turn it on again? God, where are you? Why aren't you speaking to me? I need to listen to your voice because I realize I was made to listen to you. That your voice fills my soul with the longing that I've had and it fills it. And I can't hear him anymore. My radio is broken. And then I wonder, does God even speak anymore? I can't tell. There's no way of me knowing. I can't tell. Does God speak? In time and history, we see in the beginning, yes, God created, God hovered, and God spoke. But you see, when we sinned, he didn't just stop. He showed us what an amazing God he was because it continues. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing that has been made has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Your sin was not too big for God. And in fact, he was the light that shone through the darkness to give us a way back to listening to him again. Because God speaks still, but he speaks through his son, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, we can hear 
the beautiful voice of God again. My friends, even in the beginning, we see that we have a desperate need to connect with the Creator, to have Him hover over us, but to listen to His sweet voice. And Jesus Christ has come to give that to us. He is God. He is the Word of God that has spoken. And He comes even now to minister to all those that are broken, that learn, yearn to hear his voice. Let's pray. And when we pray, let's reflect upon what we have been given. This word, this passage is calling us back to Him, is calling us back to strive and to see that our purpose lies within God. And if we have tried to find purpose in any other way, now's the time to repent. Now's the time to turn around and place your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and he comes to give us life in the full. He comes to fulfill all that he has promised. He has come to renew within us a good purpose. Give your heart to the Lord. Render your lives unto him. Let's pray at this time.